Hello and welcome to the Leadership and Insurance Podcast. This is the podcast that brings you the greatest innovation change makers in the world of insurance and insure tech. We speak to innovation leaders from carriers and brokers. We speak to insure tech founders and C-suite executives. And we bring you all of the people that add value to that community, whether it be private equity, venture capitalists, or even people like organizational psychologists and thought leaders and futurists. We try really hard to bring you the most innovative people in the world of insurance on a global basis. So with that in mind, we'd love your support. So please like, share, follow or subscribe to wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Alex Bond. Welcome to the Leadership Insurance Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by FinPro. FinPro is a leading insurtech specialist recruitment business that operates on a global basis. We have delivered assignments across North America, throughout Europe and into Asia. We are super excited to speak to anyone who has some recruitment challenges that is either starting or scaling a business. And we're confident we can help you find the people to help you innovate the world of insurance one new hire at a time please visit our website, www.wearefinpro.com for more information. Hello, and one last introduction and uh, interruption to the podcast, I promise. Um, Just wanted to tell you about the flight series, the Female Leaders in Insurance Technology event series that we've been running since the start of 2022. We had a brilliant webinar in January, and we're looking forward to a fantastic in-person event on the 17th of March, which is being held at the Folly in London. It's a breakfast event starting at 7.30, but we won't keep you for ages. It's just going to be a fantastic spirited conversation about people, innovation, and culture. And we've got some phenomenal uh, speakers that are going to lead that conversation. Look for more information and tickets. You can either find us on Eventbrite or alternatively, the best places to go to our website, www.wearefinpro.com for more information. Thank you. Good morning and welcome to the Leadership and Insurance podcast. I'm your host, Alex Bond, and I'm very lucky today to be joined by not one, but two uh, senior figures from Pathpoint. Uh, we have Alec Bargman, uh, Alex Bargman, Alex, sorry. Um, I should know that name, given it is my own. Um, <laughs> Alec Bargman, CEO and founder of Pathpoint. And we've got Ralph Blust, who's uh, president and CRO. Um, gentlemen, good morning. How are you? Good morning. Welcome. Good. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Now I've remembered that both of our names are Alex and rather than Alec. I tell you what's funny about that. Alec is like my hated thing that people say my name as, uh, which is usually, <laughs> usually reserved for the Scottish people of the world that like to call me Alex. So I, I apologise for that. That's not a good starting point. But um, Alex, let's, let's bring you in uh, to the conversation early. Um, as CEO and founder, perhaps you could introduce obviously yourself and, uh, and, and the PowerPoint business. And then Ralph, if you can follow up and um, you're a bit newer to the business and you can introduce yourself as well. That'd be great. Yeah. Um, I have a couple of co-founders as well. And we, none of us come from a insurance background, uh, let alone specialty or, or ENS or wholesale came from technology and, and software development for the most part. But we, uh, we were working at a uh, fintech investment fund that also incubated some businesses, and we got pointed towards ENS as a um, the, where the value chain is sort of heavily paper driven, strong amounts of intermediation, high high transactional costs, um, slow turnaround times, still very service driven, even at the 
lower premium end of the market. Um, and so those were all sort of patterns we were interested in digging into. And, and, and then that's how we sort of got into Pathpoint from there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And, and, and Ralph, obviously you're, um, you know, well, I think we were just saying, is this, is this month three with the business? But they're, they're, I know there's a crossover because you, you did some consulting. But um, yeah, what, what's, what's your journey into, into the business here? Yeah, so, uh, so unlike Alex, I've spent my entire career in the insurance business. And um, ever since uh, probably the 1990s, I've been a big advocate of uh, InsurTech, uh, even mm-hmm. before it had a name. Uh, yeah. The first uh, uh, MGA that I that I did uh, was actually on on an access database uh, where we were doing monoline workers comp for nonprofits, and that was back in the 1990s. So, mm-hmm. you know, all along the journey, I, I've been very focused on how can we address the needs of the small commercial PNC insured um, using technology, and. And how can we make that efficient, both from a user experience and from an operational experience? Mm-hmm. Um, after <clears throat> my previous engagement, I, I, I had some time to, to consult with PathPoint, and I really saw their interest aligned with what I was hoping to do at this stage in my career, which is to really revolutionize the way in which excess and surplus lines business is, is distributed, is processed, and, and the way we integrate with carriers, really soup to nuts, the entire process, making it so much more simple and easy to process. And, and uh, that aligned very heavily with, with Alex's vision. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then when we were working together through the months, it was just so obvious that, that by um, partnering together, we, we could accomplish a, a great deal. Yeah. Yeah, it's that it's that classic combination that we're seeing so much more of now. Is that that bringing the sort of technology team and a uh, technology mindset and thinking, and then and then and then that insurance knowledge as well. But but Ralph, you're you're a rare beast, uh, as as I think you and I have discussed before, which is you know looking to embrace that technology. Um, it's hard to evidence if you come from a you know long carrier or a long broker. Uh, yeah, it's one of the recruitment requirements I'm constantly working on. Is is they're saying find me someone who can work with technology that's an insurance person, and it's quite hard to evidence. Uh, so it's 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 interesting um, that you have. But as you rightly said, I think I think this people have been doing it longer than people say, but it didn't have a term until about five years ago. So uh, insuretech is uh, is what we're going with. Um, Alex, I, I wanted to ask you. Um, you know, coming from the technology side and being a technologist uh, in terms of kind of background, um, like how technology has, has changed how agents place accounts today versus, you know, even five years ago and, and where is it today? Um, because that's obviously something that you, you know, coming to this solution, presumably, is that was that the starting point? Um, um. I, I'll come back to the first part of your question sure. in a second. I, I think for us, the, the starting point was uh, looking at the uh, wholesale distribution channel, really actually from the carrier perspective um, mm-hmm. and the uh, difficulty in getting trading partners in that segment of the market to utilize technology and tech tech systems that they deployed in their retail channel or mm-hmm. or patterns they deployed in the retail channel that they wanted to put into wholesale and that informed a lot of where we started and some of the first uh piece of software we built it it was 
eventually became very clear that the thing to anchor the business on was exactly what you said, which is what is the American, in our case, the American agent or broker's experience of placing ENS business and, and how are their needs being well undermet by some of uh, the existing options out there. Um, and uh, I think once we had that sort of visceral focus on that idea, that's when things started coming into place on what to do. It, it became quite easy to make decisions when you think about uh, that. And we focus even more on the sort of CSR account manager, the back office that's doing these placements. So th that that is a bit of like our starting point and then how we kind of turned into what I think you're asking about. What they're looking for is many, many, many things and, and it's, um, a multi-dimensional space. I think one thing we talk a lot about is self-service. So mm -hmm. the, the US agent, broker, CSR, their expectations are that they can do the work that they need to do with the counterparty, in this case, a wholesale broker, surplus lines broker, MGA, like us, mm -hmm. but they can do it on their terms and in a really low friction, uh, usable way. And that to other industries is like so self-evident because sort of the self-service revolution in consumer sectors and other sectors of the economy happened over the last 20, 30 years. But in, in commercial insurance and in the emitted space, it really only started happening over the last 10 to 15. And then in ENS, it's really only just started quite recently. Um, and so that's the ability to quote online when you want to, 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 uh, edit something online to request a modification. Um, doesn't have to be fully automated. It's just the ability to have control to self-service an account. I think that's what we think about a lot when it comes to agents. I don't know, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, of course it does. Yeah, absolutely. But it's fascinating, isn't it? When, you, when you're saying that, because yeah, most of that is that we consider that just the norm, right? In 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 our technology requests from a software that we use. But um, it's it's fascinating that it's, it's it's new stuff to insurance it's it, it that sh it shouldn't be um that's what? because the other thing yeah. we noticed was that there's very little connectivity in the wholesale marketplace mm. um which is like kind of this rudimentary term when you think about digitization but none of the um and and there's counter arguments to this you've got lots of platforms that'll do policy document exchanging and there's ways to do borders effectively, not just in London, but in US, but there really was no dynamic connectivity. And so that makes self-service very difficult because that's then you have to rely on a, a person to service something because there's no way to connect it to a digital interface. And so there's real structural challenges to it, sort of mm. what you're pointing out, right? It's like, it's, it should be obvious, but it's not, but it's, but it's, it's, uh, there's many layers of the onion that still need to be peeled back in commercial mm. insurance, ENS in particular. How do you um, how do you guys position yourselves? I'd be interested to see how how Ralph sort of views this as well, because it's sort of coming from the insurance side, because you're sort of competing against several components of the market, like pure technology providers, arguably kind of alternative kind of like broker led solutions. Um, I'd be interested to see how you view yourself as a business, and then going forward, and how you present yourself, and then and also sort of. Uh, you know, where you sort of see this sort of main competition coming from. Um, 
uh, I don't know if that kind of, yeah, I, I'll, I'll leave it at that. I, I'm sure you could take it from there. I, I think there's an argument to say, oh, we're operating in a space independently, but I, I feel like there's kind of multiple competing elements for, for what you do. Uh, I, I don't know if you'd agree with that and, and how you actually position yourselves as a business. The way I, the way I look at it is that who we are today and who we're evolving to mm. are really an evolutionary component. Um, to break into this space, it is an extremely complex, difficult technology lift to go into the ENS space and, and work on small accounts and make the transaction so seamless that, that to an agent experience, it seems like it's a standard market placement. Yeah. And really, that's been the, the North Star that we've been working to. Um, and, and so as you look at that, to try to bite off the 1200 SIC codes in the ENS space is, is really, you know, you're trying to eat the whole elephant. So, so we've really tried to position ourselves right now more in, in a specialty verticals, mm-hmm. starting with the specialty verticals and expanding them very rapidly. Um, yeah. Today, I want to say we're close to 300 verticals amongst our various products, which means we still only have a small percentage of, of what's available to the ENS space. Mm-hmm. So we can't really position ourselves where we want to be, which is this digital wholesale broker today, because yeah. it, we would be saying no too often to the agent and the user mm-hmm. experience wouldn't be right. Mm-hmm. It's much easier for us to position ourselves today as more of a specialty digital solution in the ENS space. And then as we grow, as we start to expand, that's when we can start being more of what we want to be, which is this digital wholesale bro- solution. Um, for the small commercial and then maybe maybe other directions as we, as we mature. Yeah. I don't know, Alex, if, if you wanted to add more to that, but I, I really see that's who we are today. And that's the way we represent ourselves in the marketplace. No, that's that's the way I think about it too. And, and that um, we spend a lot of time with our uh, carrier partners. We generally prioritize it going deep and broad with a small list of carrier partners. We don't go Mm. appointment chasing because it's not about access, it's about user experience. And so we spend a bunch of time with the underwriters at the carriers we work with to figure out which of these verticals that Ralph's alluding to, contractors, lessers, risk, cyber for small business, they Mm -hmm. are really great at, and they Mm -hmm. wanna be differentiated on a digital distribution and product standpoint. And then we- build them into those verticals. So it is both a very highly differentiated user experience to get a quote, a few minutes, all the service capabilities online, but it's also tier one product and underwriting capacity behind it. So we mm. can be the first we can be the first option an agency would go to when they get declined in the admitted market because it's both the easiest and it's the blue chip carriers and markets that you wanna work with. Now, the, the trade-off we had to make, which Ralph was alluding to, is you, you have to say no. So you can't say, send you can't do the typical wholesale broking, which is send us everything you've got, we'll take a look at it, we'll try and place it type thing. You have to be razor, razor focused. And it's a very difficult marketing and sales problem because you have to get your salespeople excited. And, and I'm really taking Ralph's credit on this about selling a solution that's that's specific and niche. And, mm-hmm. and so we've had to really think about our positioning to lean into um, where we're strong while knowing that there's this 
big gap of where we're weak right now, but we want to grow into it over time and, and mm. getting everyone pointed in the same direction internally and externally is, is easier said than done. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, but I suppose that speaks to how you're sort of challenging slightly how the market, you know, how the market views this and, 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 and Ralph, the sort of, there must be a, you could bring this sense to the table about culture because you're talking as much about culture change, aren't you? As anything else, it's like, you can offer the best technology, but um, you know, far be it for me to say that culturally, like the, the insurance industry is slow to change, but uh, I think we can, <laughs> I think there's, I, I think I'm on episode about 75 of the podcast now. And I think universally that's been a theme, but you, you really are talking about an established. And, and I think because of where you're playing in, in the market, you know, we saw lots more early adoption, uh, direct to consumer markets in insure tech is, is earlier. The life and health market's been earlier. As you go up the value chain, we've seen less, innovation in the sector that you're in like ens lines and, and then also reinsurance um because there's that less touch points and you're trying to change the culture of an industry um is culture something you come up against and i suppose ralph and perhaps you with the cro hat on is, is that one of the challenges you come across well it's a, it's an interesting it's actually a very interesting question from the perspective that agents welcome this change Agents right. are always looking for the path of least resistance, how to take something that is, is, is marginal in profit for them to begin with. Mm-hmm. And then it goes to the ENS space where now they know they're not going to really make a lot of money because the amount of work that it takes to place a $3,000 contractor. So what, yeah. what they ultimately do is that they're actually welcoming this streamlined, simplistic approach. Mm. And, and they, they are... The adoption of this culture shift has been striking Um, and and it it is consistent with what I've seen in other ventures that I've been engaged with throughout my career, where when you bring, when when you solve the problem of the agent instead of trying to tell the agent how to behave, when you solve their problem. They, they will come to you and they'll not only come to you once, they'll come to you again and again and again. And that's, you know, some of the metrics that we follow is what's, what's the percentage of agents that are repeating the transaction with us? They're not mm-hmm. only testing us once, but they're coming back and they're coming back with a high degree of frequency. Mm-hmm. That's where we believe the solution sits as a value proposition to the agent. And, and it's less of a culture shift from a user experience because the agents have been seeing this through carrier systems in their admitted market space for years. So really what this is, the the shift is more about the the behavior change from the supply side to the agent, giving them in in a squadron, as you said, Alex, about how how really there hasn't been a lot of attention to this space. And and let's Mm. face it, 70% 70% of all business is placed in the admitted markets. So we're talking mm-hmm. about a sliver of the overall universe. And then of that sliver, we're talking about the smallest of the accounts. So yeah. you're really looking at this micro niche. And, and so that's why I believe most firms haven't invested in this space. Um, mm-hmm. They haven't made the, the digital investment necessary, the technology investment necessary, because they, they haven't considered the return. And yet, when you look at it, there's there's more business in this space than the rest of the ENS space combined. So you know you're talking about what 40 billion of of the business is in ENS, and maybe half of that is in small commercial. Mm-hmm. Um, 
there's that that's a big pool. That's a big pool with a lot of fish, and that's why we're in it. Yes, yeah, a decent decent town. Um, thank you for that, Ralph. Um, Alex, uh, I wanted to go back to the technology again, um, and this is a really interesting. Sort of, well, I think it's an interesting question that was, I think, posed by you guys. So I won't take any credit for this. It's something to, something to discuss. But um, we talked about we talked about technology and like there's some things we can do: auto field, downloadable PDF accord forms, you know, sort of evolutions of technology. Uh, but at the same time, so we're seeing advances there, and at the same time, like things are stagnant. You know, why are we using accord forms? <laughs> you know. Um, uh, I just wanted to sort of discuss that conundrum. Um, you know, like how does that happen and how do we operate in that? You know, it, does the regulatory environment need to change? And I appreciate that's a multi-part question, but um, yeah, just wanted to get your viewpoints on that. The It's a, a, a great question and, and one that you could spend a year writing a business school case study on. Um, <laughs> which would be interesting to do uh, the, the, uh, I, I, I think that it, someone told me this and, and so, and I've been thinking about it a lot since is that in commercial insurance, part of the reason it's so, uh, so much friction during the transaction is every entity has its own process. And those processes in and of themselves are not inefficient or backwards looking. And in fact, in fact, they're quite excellently designed and run and operated, but they're all very, very different. And they mm -hmm. all support edge cases in different ways. And that's because it's ultimately a client services driven business, which is one about um, supporting edge cases. And so if it starts at the top of the chain and everyone's got these different processes, you just end up with edge case spaghetti down the value chain. I mm -hmm. think is part of it. Now, that isn't right or wrong. I think that's just the way it works. And I, I think lots of industries have that probably going on. To your question on why do we still use the Accord form, that is, I don't know if there's a pithy answer to it. There, you know, It's funny, like we've built the feature on the front end that gets the data out of the Accord form. We've also built the feature that lets them take the data that they manually inputted into PathPoint into an Accord form. So you can, you can bring an Accord form and you can order something or you can order something and then you can get an Accord form for dessert. And they're both used a lot, which is kind of interesting, right? Because you'd be yeah. like, well, you should only need one to get rid of the Accord form. But the mm -hmm. reality is, is that there's something going on in their business or the way they think about this account that they, they want to use it to start the quote at, or, and or they want to complete one to place the account. Now, Accord's interesting. Lots and lots and lots of carriers, brokers, they need Accords, particularly for ENS transactions, but for commercial transactions at large too. It's still the, the PDF of record for what represents information about the insured. I'm not sure that the goal is to displace that. That's certainly not PathPoint's goal. I'm not sure that that should be anyone's goal. Mm -hmm. I think the goal should be to work around what people want to use to work on these transactions and make that as easy as possible. And, and that's sort of where we are. This is more a pragmatic view. We, we kind of just work with what all our counterparties want to work with. And our bet is that we'll use technology to execute that in a very user-friendly way. Mm. To, add, to add to that, um, it's part of the culture of PathPoint that is making is where we're making the difference. This feature about being able to upload and download 
there's no benefit to us to download it to the agent, to give them the ability to go market it somewhere else. However, the culture of Pathpoint is, look, we're here to serve. Mm. We're here to help our agents win. And if we can't help them on this one, we want to help them secure it regardless. Mm-hmm. Again, that type of, of mentality is unique within the insurance business, I believe. That uniqueness is what is allowing us to build these enterprise relationships that we've been so fortunate to gain in such a short period of time. Um, and with, 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 with such a large degree of distribution, it's because when we come to them, they, there's a very clear understanding we're here to serve them. Mm. We're not asking them to behave in a way to conform to us. Mm-hmm. And that is a, that's a paradigm shift. Yeah, I think that's really interesting because it's a theme that I've seen of the InsureTechs that I certainly, you know, well, the, the investments into their businesses, including your own, suggest that people agree that you're doing things the right way. But I think that's a shift even in, I would say, the last 24 months in, in terms of what I would view as being successful InsureTechs is there's a cultural embracement of the insurance industry and saying, right, we're operating in this space. These are the things that the that's what good looks like in this space. And this is how we can help rather than I would say, if you, if you went back 36 months, it was the industry is stupid and it does things really badly. This is how we're going to do it. And you know, the, the kind of the classic insurance is broken and, and those businesses, I wouldn't say they've lost traction. Um, they've definitely lost um, some share price. Uh, but you know, I, I think, I think what we're seeing now is this the much more collaborative approach with the industry. And that seems to be kind of success. It, do, do you share that view? Is it something you've noticed? I, I appreciate that's your culture, but just speaking more broadly about InsureTech, um, you know, Alex, have you, have you kind of noticed that the sort of change in tone? Yeah. Um, I, I think I have. And, uh, there's both like a personal observation and then a market observation and mm. they overlap. I'm and not quite as sure on the timeline as you, but definitely the trend. The personal one is like coming from a consumer advertising education technology background. It, you have distribution partnerships as part of your business, certainly, but it's not a partnership heavy industry. And certainly I wasn't working in the business development part of the organization. So I don't have a ton of experience with those types of problems and developing appreciation for how important partnerships are to all parts of your business in commercial insurance, particularly wholesale brokers, because you're in the middle of the value chain is, Mm -hmm. is really, really, really important. And so that um, I think is kind of what you're getting at in a way is, is that you can't full stack everything, right? You have to be reliant on existing uh, um, partners and do it in a win-win way, like not a negotiated uh, taking something from someone else way. Definitely to your point on the market, I have uh, learned a lot looking at, and and this is all this is the large public insure techs and also some of the still private ones. I think they're all doing this now. They're all uh, developing good partnership uh, muscles and and uh, accountability uh, from the industry, I'd say. And uh, you can see that the, the vernacular they're using about how they position themselves is evolving too. And I think we've been fortunate enough in that we started just at the right time where we could actually learn from them making mm-hmm. their own journey in this regard. And then mm-hmm 
uh, you know, just stand on the shoulder of giants type thing. Yeah, yeah, and look, I, I, I kind of, I kind of liked it when it started. I thought, well, this is interesting. There's a bit of spice here. Uh, you know, insurance is broken. I was like, okay, interesting. You know, because I've been in the industry a long time, and 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 I remember starting. Uh, I, I thinking. I'm only going back 15 years. So 15 years ago, I started, and I, I remember going out to London, working, walking in Lloyd's, and watching all these people walk around Lloyd's with these suitcases, assuming that they were all taking flights, and suddenly going, "No, that suitcase is full of paper." Yeah. And me at the me at the time, having just left university, going, are you, are you, "Seriously? Like this is the?" Mo-? I was like, <laughs> "So I was like the most sophisticated insurance market in the world." I thought I was walking into the equivalent of you know the stock exchange for insurance, and then I see guys with you know so much paper they need a massive suitcase and i think yeah it's scary to think it's only 15 years ago uh, well i i mean i remember the first time we were investigating this went to london to learn about lloyd's and i saw the same thing and i just yeah. like my, you know, my knees started shaking and yeah. and the and so it, it's not that it's not broken and i i put quotes around that word. It's not that it's yeah, not yeah, yeah. done and it, it couldn't be done in a more efficient way, right? If we all adopted Taylorism to its absolute extreme, we could make things work perfectly. That, that's mm-hmm. a, um, we could all design a better spreadsheet on a blank sheet of paper, right? That's not the hard part. It's understanding yeah. why it's broken mm-hmm. and like appreciating that those embedded value systems and then understanding what the actual product needs to be delivered is and and then putting that puzzle together that's really 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 hard everyone can sit at the coffee shop outside lloyd's or more likely the bar and complain about the paper that that's hard right or that's not hard that's quite easy actually um Mm. it's it's much 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 harder to appreciate the the incentives of the ecosystem that led to that and then how you can also leverage those to improve the product and the experience yeah yeah i talk about this a lot with with sort of anything that's like anything that is like a marketplace solution is that you you'll get a lot of like conversations in the market and and then each broker or carrier as you pointed out earlier in this conversation was saying oh we've got our own solution to that or we're working on a technology technology solution for that and and you know one of mine is about of you know being objective and having sort of centralized neutral neutral points of view um and and it's really hard isn't it when you're talking about when we make statements about industries being broken they might be but you you've got competitive businesses so they're all kind of out for their own agenda so everyone's kind of fixing it on their own terms and then so but it but but insurance is by nature has to be a collaborative environment because it's so interwoven um so yeah we can all laugh but as you say it's, it's another thing to actually make that challenge happen um just shifted gears slightly uh just to talk about carriers um ralph um appetites are constantly changing uh at carriers on a regular basis i mean how much of a challenge does that throw you um at path point uh you know the carrier input what how does that kind of impact things for you the most interesting thing um that i've found in this subject is that the the original design the original architecture and 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 strategy of pathpoint was mm-hmm. was not to resemble that of an mga okay an mga environment where you have one carrier solution for one industry vertical and and then building multiple solutions like that that mm-hmm. isn't been their strategy their strategy was to have a small group of carriers by vertical and again this goes right back to many of the standard market insur- insurtech 
operations that have been successful, whether it be Next Insurance or others, that you look in the marketplace and say, look, how, did, how were they successful? What they did is that they went in and they said, we're going to offer choice just with a very easy user experience. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the exact same thing that we're doing is that we have several carriers on our platform. And when we add a carrier to our platform, the first place we make sure that they can fit is with our existing um, uh, industry verticals. Mm-hmm. This allows solutions so that when the market shifts, when a carrier changes appetite, when when there's legislative reasons that a carrier is going to have to exit a state or something, we're not going to leave our clients high and dry. We're actually going to have solutions in order to allow them to continue doing their business, not worry about remarketing their existing business and continue staying focused on growing their book of business. So, so that's, that's the, uh, one of the benefits we have in our strategy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I saw, uh, yeah, the MJ thing is quite an interesting point actually, because that's, that's de facto the, uh, the way that most of these solutions have been brought to the table. So I think that's really interesting. Um, I wanted to do it operationally as well about technology um, and, and operational challenges that technology bring to underwriting. Um, Cause this is a really interesting point because it's, it's, I always think this one, there's the individual technology stacks, then there's kind of centralized solutions. Then there's kind of like artificial intelligent inputs. So we're constantly bringing new technology to the table in underwriting, um, but kind of operationally kind of the challenge that throws you um, I wanted to get your view on that, Ralph. And, and, and- yeah, it's a, really a really good question because the, the challenge that you have is the ENS space, the non-admitted market offering, is based off of a completely different underwriting and operational platform than the standard admitted markets. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so the convergence of that data from those admitted market applications to the non-admitted market application is where the confusion starts and actually where the complexity starts because you're breaking out a generic class code where let's just use landscapers for the example. If you're a landscaper, the first question that an admitted market is, is going to ask is, do you do tree trimming? And if you do tree trimming above the ground, in other words, use anything off the ground, you're going to be declined. Mm-hmm. The, um, the second thing they're going to ask you is, do you do snow removal? And again, if you do snow removal, if you're in the northern part of the, 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 the U.S., then, of course, they're going to decline you as well. The non-admitted space actually will break the operation into the individual components, underwrite them uniquely, and then blend them together to get a price. Mm-hmm. And building the technology that's sophisticated to do that is first the first lift. The second lift is how do you take all of the regulatory uniqueness of the non-admitted space and make that user experience as simple as you can for the, um, for the agent experience? And again, that's a traditionally hard lift because you have 50 different states, 50 different sets of rules. How do you systematize that to a very, very simple process? Mm. So by breaking down the overall process, into the individual components and then solutioning to those components, you end up having a thoughtful and very user-friendly design. That is what PathPoint has done from day one, mm-hmm. is they've taken it and breaking it, broken it down into those. What it has now trans, um, translated to 
in today's world is as we talk to other insure tech businesses that are focused on the admitted market space, we have the system capability to integrate seamlessly with them because mm -hmm. our infrastructure is sound. We're not trying to patch work a traditional insurance thought process. We had technology and technologists, engineers build the platform and build the, the way that it would most integrate with others. Mm -hmm. And then when you go to the next step about saying, well, geez, we want to make it more functional at the back end of when it comes to inspections, when it comes to premium payments, when it comes to, um, you know, again, disclosure statements and surplus lines filings, the infrastructure, the core infrastructure is there. That's what makes this platform so unique. Mm -hmm. It's there. It's easy to build off of. And so as you get these changes, as you enter states or as you enter a new carrier into the platform, Everything is ready to accept it and modify it in order to accommodate with very little frictional cost. Yeah, yeah, interesting. It, it goes back to that culture that uh, Alex was mentioning as well, and, and and we discussed about the not fighting against it as such. It's like just breaking it down and going right. These are the accepted parts of the process, and how do we how do we improve upon them from a technology standpoint? Um, Alex, I wanted to ask you something about partnerships. We so that popped up a bit. Um, in this conversation. Are there other insure techs there that you've been looking to partner with and work with at, at different points of your kind of the value chain of your offering? Or um, yeah, can you see that in the future or, or is this anything happening at the moment? The We have a, a few things coming up that uh, I, I won't spill the beans on in this conversation, but uh, I think the, the academic thing a description of what's going on is that small commercial insurance is digitizing or in fact potentially has digitized depending on how you define it and yep. by that i mean it's connected it's self-service uh it's not paper and email driven it's web application driven and that did that that i believe that happened in the last five years or, or certainly accelerated in the last five years and so yep. you've got these large agencies, large brokerages, large technology platforms that these agencies and brokerages digitized on the backs of, or a blend of the two digital agencies that are both technology plus salespeople and, and client advisors. And they're, they're now, they have now in a mature way are placing their admitted commercial business through these systems um, deployed in production, ha have ramped, are ramping aggressively. And now they're running up into that 10, 20, 30% of the book that's not connected. And they're like, ah, crap. <laughs> because we just told everyone and all our clients and all our salespeople and all our ops people that they could do this through technology. And, and it's not to suggest that they had a lack of foresight. It's just, it, it's difficult to, to, difficult problem to solve. Many of them have actually tried. Mm -hmm. And we're, um, we got quite lucky timing wise in that we just happened to have a few of these conversations uh, uh, rather randomly and, and realized that we, our infrastructure and our, and our piping that we were using to, we are using to power our uh, storefront that, you know, independent agents around the country are using that, that same infrastructure can be used to uh, solve this problem for these partners uh, that have that are upstream of us and, and have their own businesses, but want to offer that really nice mm -hmm. consolidated user experience. So mm -hmm. that opportunity 
we have a few things going live this quarter and we hope to have line of sight to sort of being repeatable and some real data on it by the end of the year. But we're, we're really excited by, uh, you know, timing and luck. The market's shifted in the last few years and we're in a great position to deploy our technology to help take the, you know, get that last third going online. Mm, it's really interesting. I was smiling when you were saying that. I, was, I always respect a man that's uh, started a business and accepts that there's a luck element to it as well. <laughs> there's, a, there's, there's, there's far too many geniuses without acceptance of the of the luck element that we have to listen to. And I think, you know, it was great timing, and, but, you know, great technology. You've got to, got to execute. But because I was thinking as you were saying that, I was like, I, I've spoken to and I've even taken briefs on where someone has built a digital solution. And then they're always left with this bit of ENS business that they can't resolve. And what ends up happening is the irony is they end up building a traditional like in-house like broker-led solution to that. And then it's like, oh, everything is, uh, everything is digitalized apart from this bit, um, which always makes me smile. It always makes me remember a friend of mine ran a business which he very successfully exited. Uh, and I can't name it because he'd probably get in trouble. But essentially, it was like a looked like a digital solution. You filled out all the forms. And essentially, every every solution had to, led to something I've been exposed to buying insurance. Is that, oh, sorry, we can't do that online. You have to call us anyway. Um, now, my friend, and you case, have to fill out a supplemental application, yeah, 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 and it's yeah, 17 yeah, pages, yeah, and yeah, half yeah, the yeah, information yeah. on that supplemental you've already inputted online. We're, we're <laughs> acutely familiar with this, yeah, this yeah, specific yeah. problem. <laughs> it's uh, it's it always makes me smile. My friend sold his business for a, for a tech multiple because of that, and he went, Oh no, it always says that it was just the way of getting you to fill out the form on your behalf. And I, but I think people are. Uh, it's a really interesting problem to have to solve because you can digitalize everything. But then if you haven't thought about the ENS bit, how do you do that? So um, that leads it leads into my final question for you, because I'm really conscious of our time. Um, Alex, you did a very significant uh, raise last year. Um, I suspect plans are very, very firmly in play for all of that. But what does kind of the next 12 months look like for you in terms of kind of growth? Uh, where, where are you focusing your efforts? The... We are, um, we, we take a very user-driven view of the world when it comes to our metrics right now. Um, mm -hmm. So we have, over the last couple quarters, really demonstrated an ability to repeat, uh, repeatable acceleration of like the way we're acquiring uh, users through marketing to independent agents. And that's a very sort of B2C play playbook. I'd say we're running blend of sales and marketing with sales further down the funnel, highly transactional. Um, we're looking to maintain that pace, probably optimize it a little bit more. Um, but really in that strategy, we're looking to um, start to go deeper with those clients. So rather than two quotes a month per user, uh, how do you layer in more product, more markets, more packaging of product uh, to say you can start to bring more of your ENS needs to Pathpoint. And, and that's not, that's quite a, that is kind of a linear journey because of the way this works. We have to build the right products. We have to get the right user experience work. We have to get the right automation, what's referring into our underwriting team, what's going mm -hmm. to the carrier. And so you go bit by bit, it's going to take quite a long time, but I'd say that's where we're, we have, we have a new vertical launching this week for restaurants. We'll, we'll launch excess casualty um, in the beginning of Q2. So we're, we're already started investing in this and we'll continue to, and that just lets our, um, our users get more value out of us, which translates to more transactions per month. Um, 
And then I'd say the other thing we're starting to layer on is this um, sort of B2B partnership to these larger uh, pools of premium and, and users. It's typically small commercial business still and very similar user experience paradigm. So it leverages a lot of what we're doing, but um, we now have the back office capabilities to handle that type of volume without a degradation in service. So uh, beginning that as well. Amazing, amazing. And um, yeah, well, look, I, I, I never like to overstay our oh, welcome. So we're just coming up to the 45 minute mark. So um, I'm really excited by what you guys are doing. Uh, I shamelessly uh, was, was saying this off, off air, but I have to say it on air as well, because I think it's really interesting to see innovation in this space. I don't think we've seen enough of it, which is probably good for you. So we'll <laughs> we'll keep it that way. But um, but it's, I'm really excited to see your journey. So we had, um, you know, thank you so much uh, for both of you, Alex, Ralph. Thank you so much for your time, and uh, I really appreciate you being a guest on the podcast. Thank you. Thanks thank for you. having us. Thank you. As always, this podcast is brought to you by FinPro Search Partners, often simply known as FinPro. FinPro is an executive recruitment business working in the insurance and insure tech space on an international basis. If you would like to find out more about FinPro, please visit our website, www.wearefinpro.com or our FinPro company page on LinkedIn. I've been your host, Alex Bond, and I would personally love to connect with anyone who is interested in the changing world of insurance. So feel free to reach out to me directly, um, either on LinkedIn or via my email, uh, alex at wearefinpro.com. I hope you enjoyed the podcast, and I hope to see you back next week. Thank you.